Hey, get your Bibles out. If you brought it, turn to Galatians 6. I want to share a couple passages that I'm sure will be familiar to many of you. If you uh, did not bring your Bible, we will be posting uh, those verses overhead so you too can follow along out of Galatians chapter 6. And uh, I just entitled what I'd like to share this morning, The Law of the Boomerang. The Law of the Boomerang. Sowing and reaping. And every now and then, I think it's good for a pastor to go back and just review some concepts that perhaps for many of you are foundational and you got it and you're walking in it. And uh, that's wonderful. For others, um, we need reminded. I think there's a place for review. You know, that's why teachers in classrooms give reviews for their students. It's not that they weren't taught that, but you do realize that there are many things we're taught that we forget. And so we have to have a review in this particular area. And there are some, I suspect, that are here today that you, you will never have heard some of the things that uh, I'm going to share with you that are so vitally important. I consider this foundational level. And, and once you get some foundations in your life right, then it will begin to be the springboard for you to do even the greater things that I believe the Word tells us we can do. But you can't spring off a faulty foundation. And so we want to be sure we have some of these things down. I felt like this would be a good Sunday to do that. It's the law of the boomerang. And so I want to read out of Galatians chapter 6 and share a couple of things beginning with verse 7. Galatians 6 verse 7, it says this. Do not be deceived. And I'm going to make a couple of comments as I read through this. Do not be deceived. Which means that if you don't if you really don't get a hold of what he's about ready to say, a deception can set in. Now, now that, to me, there's no greater uh, thing that I could be charged with than deception. I mean, you can call me a lot of things, but if you call me deceived, boy, those are fighting words. I don't want to be called that. You, you can call me silly, dumb, crazy, foolish. I'll live with some of that, but you call me deceived, that's, that's just strong at least in my thinking and feeling. And so Paul's writing, he says, don't be deceived here. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season... We shall reap if we do not lose heart. The law of the boomerang. Now, I suspect everyone in the room knows what a boomerang is. In fact, as I understand it, boomerangs came originally, I think, from Australia. Now, if I'm wrong, I'll stand corrected on that. But I know that, that most of what I've come to understand from boomerangs came from Australia. My son spent several years there going to school and... And so uh, he was able to do a little background check and understanding in the things that go there with the Aborigines. And apparently a, a boomerang, which is, which is kind of shaped in, in a U-shaped form, it's, it's lathed or it's cut in an appropriate way that it is used as actually a type of uh, weapon. A boomerang was meant to be thrown, and as it would begin to swing like this, it could curve and turn, actually hit things, and if one is adept enough with it, it can actually come back to the one who threw it. So there was a U-turn. 
sort of to this boomerang. It was a weapon in their hands. If, if you became skilled at it, you could throw it and uh, you would go hunting and do all sorts of things. And it could be a blessing to you, or I guess if you weren't that skilled at it and you used it and it came back and hit you up the side of the head, that might not be a great thing. So it, it might be, you know, harmful to you as well. But having said that, that's just a good image to begin to have seared into your psyche that, that the law of sowing and reaping is a lot like a boomerang. Now, it's interesting that the world has phrases for a biblical precept because the world gets this at times better than we get it. Have you ever heard the phrase, what goes around? Have you ever heard that? You know how those old sayings get started? It's because everyone knows there's a little bit of truth in there somehow. That's how an old saying gets started. Um, another one they use all the time is the word karma. You heard that? Boy, that's just karma. They did something and now it's, it's, it's come back to them. Well, these are all worldly concepts that I believe have hitchhiked on a biblical precept that you and I have to understand because this is foundational in how we walk and what God can begin to do in our life. Now, Galatians chapter 6 here in these verses has been used for all sorts of reasons. It's been taught all sorts of ways. In all the years that I've been walking with the Lord and listened to past uh, uh, sermons being taught from these passages, I've, I've heard all sorts of things being taught to me. But, but I want to give you kind of the fullness of what I've come to understand. This is one of those good news, bad news passages. It's like Paul says, I got good news for you, or I've got some bad news for you. This law, and the reason I keep saying law, is because I believe it's within the fabric of the universe. I believe God has put this precept within the very fabric of the universe. And Paul says, this can either work for your benefit and your blessing, or it can work for your hindrance and your potential destruction. Now, let's just talk about it. Most Christians... It seems to me whenever they have a problem or a challenge come into their life. For most believers, they instantly go to this phrase. It's the devil. I got a problem. God doesn't want me to have a problem. I don't think God's causing me the problem because I've been taught for years now. God is good all the time. So therefore, it must be the devil. The devil is after me. Devil's causing me problems. The devil's hindering me. The devil's thwarting me. The devil's in this somehow. Now, I'll say this: uh, the devil certainly can get into our lives. It's usually not the devil. It's usually one of his cohorts. Uh, the devil can't be everywhere at once. I hate to break this to you, but you probably aren't on the devil's personal list uh, to come harass. But he probably has some that he has assigned to you to harass. So you're being harassed by some sort of dark demonic force, or at least that's what you think. And if you have a problem, that's usually where we go to instantly. So I'll grant you that he or his cohorts can and do stir up things. They can stir up strife and trouble in a believer's life. However, we've got to understand that God has instituted certain laws, precepts, principles, ways into the very fabric of creation. And when you violate one of his precepts, 
there is a natural consequence or repercussion that will begin to happen, not because the devil's involved with it, but because you violated a precept that he told you if you obeyed, you wouldn't get this consequence. Are you following me? It's like, it's like you're driving down the road and you stick your head out the window. You know, you're going about 60 miles an hour with your head out the window and you decide that you're going to spit. And so you just do it. You just spit. Bam. Man, you got it all over your face. Now, can I just share this with you? Don't you, you don't put your head back in the car and go, ah, oh, the devil's spitting at me. Ah, oh, the devil, the devil's spitting at me. Look at this. I'm a mess. I'm a mess. No, 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 no. You can't blame God for creating wind. And you can't blame the devil for spitting in your face. God instituted wind, he instituted breeze, and you decided that you were going to violate the precept of breeze, spit into the breeze, and it comes back and hits you. That ain't anybody's fault in the spirit realm. That's just your fault. You're following me. If your face is wet, you shouldn't have spit into the wind. Now, Whenever we determine we're going to violate one of God's precepts, commands, or ways, you are spitting in the wind. You, you don't have to wait for the devil to cause upheaval. You'll have enough upheaval. That's what God designed. He designed things to work according to His ways and His plan. He wants you to know His ways and know His plan. This is what's interesting because people think that once they become a believer, everything is just righted instantly. And that's really not true either because the Scripture says that my, my people perish for what? My people perish for what? So what you don't know can get your face wet. Are you following me? So you can be a believer. You can love Jesus. I'm not questioning your love of the Lord. You can love God and, 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 and you can say that, that you're a follower of Jesus, but if you're spitting into the breeze, that's not the devil. That's you violating a precept or a way that God has clearly outlined. And this is one of his ways or this is one of his laws. If you would allow me just to use that, I understand for some people when they hear law, they think about Old Testament law. And, and, and so I'm, I'm not exactly talking about Old Covenant law, but I'm talking about a, a precept that's in the fabric of what God has determined. This is how I'm going to move. And as long as you move according to this precept, you'll find great blessing. If you choose to violate it, then uh, you're going to find great harm. In fact, uh, Paul writes here, he says that God is not mocked. Isn't that interesting? God is not mocked. In fact, mocked comes from the word, it's interesting if you follow its etymology, it actually comes and derived from the word nose. Say, well, what does that have to do with mocking? Well, as best as I can understand it, that what Paul is saying here is, is that you can't turn your nose up at God. Have you ever heard, have you ever, maybe it's never happened to you because you don't maybe interact with folks like I do, but I've, I've had opportunity that, that I'll share into people's lives and you can almost see it. They can go, They, they, they turn their nose up at it. Well, what Paul says here is, is that God will not be sneered at. You cannot turn your nose up on him. This is one of those moments that you can't wrestle your 
your God into what you want to happen. God is not mocked. Don't be deceived about this, he says. Listen, you can say to yourself, surely, surely God would make me the exception. And wrong answer. It's been a while since I've done that, huh? God will not be mocked in this regard. Now, there are two important things before I get into this in a little bit greater detail. There are two foundational keys to understanding this law. And I want you to remember uh, these two words. If there's anything you take away and, you, and you'll just commit to memory these two words from this lesson, these are the two. Remember the word whatever and remember the word whoever. Whatever and whoever. Now let's start with the whatever. Number one, whatever you sow, you will reap. Everyone say whatever. Whatever you sow, whatever, whatever you release, you're going to eventually re re uh, reap. This means, because this took, this took years of graduate training. Whatever means, see you guys have hung around me long enough now. You just, you got it. Whatever means whatever. He says that here. He says, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap what? The flesh. But if you sow to the spirit, you will reap the spirit. So if you plant bad seed into the ground, you're going to begin to reap bad fruit. And if you plant good seed into the ground, you're going to reap Good fruit. Now, I understand it sounds like we're in this sort of elementary school, Sunday school class. I, I get it that right now everybody's going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, hang on. It seems simple, but we get hammered by this law constantly when we could be blessed by it. You see, there are things that are happening in people's life. Now, I'm not suggesting all things, but I am suggesting that there are some things happening in people's lives that have nothing to do with the devil. It has nothing to do, perhaps, with uh, uh, instant repercussion of sin that has taken place in their life. But they're reaping things in their life that, that are there simply because you're getting your harvest. You are getting your harvest. There are moments I think we all need just to examine our life. We just need to get a little introspective at times. Examine what's going on in our life. Now, I'm not suggesting that the enemy doesn't come to challenge you. Believe me, I know when the enemy's challenging me, and I get it, and there are times that happens. I don't like it any more than the rest of you like it. It's there. There are times that I'm living in the world, and the world is a hostile place, and it's coming at me in a, in a hostile way. And uh, it's just a matter that we all live under a curse and these things get thrown at me because I'm an alien in a foreign land and I'm just having to face what, what the world is like. I understand that as well. But we need to get a little bit introspective and ask ourselves the question, if it's not the devil, if it's not the world, if it's not some repercussion from sin that I know that I've committed and the consequences of it are coming, and, and we be, just begin to evaluate life, could it be, could it possibly be that somewhere, sometime, I sowed something out there and now my day of harvest has come back to me? You say, well, how do I know? Well, ask. We just start asking the Lord. I, I think he'd love to help you. He'd love to speak to you, love to tell you, love to give you insight. 
It's all through Scripture. It's interesting as you begin to read Scripture. Now, uh, hopefully we put some of these things up. Let's just talk a little bit about bad seed first. We'll get to the good stuff. I promise. We'll get there. But, but let's just talk about the bad seed. Matthew 7, 2. Guys, can you post this so I can read it from the screen? L- listen to this. For with what judgment you judge, what does it say? Now, now, again, I've dealt with those passages before, but basically Jesus is saying this, judge and what comes back? Judgment. Now, this message isn't about judging. That'll be another day. But as you begin to sow judgment, judgment can indeed come back. What does it say? Job uh, 4 verse 8 says this, even as I have seen those who plow iniquity and sow trouble, what? Reap the same. Isn't that interesting? So they've sowed something, they put something out there, and all of a sudden, the very thing they put out there has come back to them. Let's keep going. Proverbs 22, 8. It says, he who sows iniquity will reap sorrow, and the rod of his anger will fail. Again, there's, there's a sowing of something, and then a reaping that, that just takes place. In Hosea, and I'm going to come back at the end this morning, I'm going to come back and say some things about Hosea. But listen to what Hosea says. It says, they sow the wind... And then what do they reap? Now, now I want you, you ought to write that one down. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. And well, I'll just give you a hint here in just a few minutes. I'll come back to it. But, but whenever you get a harvest, it's always more than you planted. We'll just leave that one alone for a minute. Go to the next one. Hosea 10, 13. It says, you plowed wickedness. What? You have reaped iniquity. You have plowed wickedness and you have reaped iniquity. So we just begin to see, I just touched on a few things. I didn't give you an exhaustive list. These are just a few, a few of the illustrations that I can give you out of the scripture that clearly teaches us that there are things we can, we can begin to sow ourselves and then a reaping comes back upon us. Now that's the bad news. That's the bad news. I'm going to give you a little good news. Isn't that good that there's good news too? So let's talk about what happens if you give or release good seed. Guys, let's talk about Luke 6.37 says what? It says, judge not and what? Condemn not and what? And forgive and what? Now, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? If you begin to do certain things, then the same thing begins to come back to you. Let's go to verse 38. It says what? Give and it will what? How? Good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. Now, if you literally translate that out from the original Greek, it actually says, and men will give unto your bosom. This is the interesting thing. When, when you begin to sow things, it's not as if God just suddenly makes it hard on you. But what happens is, is that God begins to allow uh, uh, others to begin to reciprocate to you the very thing that you have done to others. Now, hear me. The golden rule, per se, is not found as a scripture in the Bible, but the concept is most assuredly there. And you hear this all the time. You know, do unto others, right, as you would have them. Well, here's the thing about the golden rule. As you do unto others, it will be done unto you. Because that's the law of sowing and reaping. Now, I've had folks, of course, I've, I've worked with people through the years and every now and then someone will say, well, I'm not sure I like that. 
I, I don't know what to say about that. It doesn't really matter whether you love it or whether you hate it. It is what it is. Can I just share this with you? You might not like the law of gravity. You can hate the law of gravity. But it doesn't matter, matter whether you love it or you hate it. If you're going to jump off, you know, the Ravenel Bridge. And, and the whole time saying, I don't like gravity. I refuse to function under this law. And you determine you're going to jump off the Ravenel Bridge. Can I just share with you, love it or hate it, you're going to fall to the very bottom. You're going to hit the ground. If you can get a revelation of this, now you're going to begin to understand why Jesus responded the way he did to Satan when he was being tempted in the wilderness. And Satan takes him through these various temptations. And one of them is when he took him to the top of the pinnacle of the temple. And this is what, this is what the, Satan said to Jesus. And, and this is what's so cool. Is that Satan knows the Bible. Isn't that amazing? Satan knows the Bible. And he says to Jesus, jump down off this to the ground. And he says, you won't be hurt. Because the Bible says, God has said, and he quotes Psalm 91. He says that he would not uh, allow your feet uh, to be dashed upon a stone, but that he would give his angels charge over you. Had a verse. And how many of you know Jesus responded by saying, no, 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 you can't, you can't tempt the Lord thy God. Now, what was going on there? Because let's just analyze that for just a minute. A lot of us get a verse. And we're just determined that that verse is going to trump everything that we've been doing in our life. I got me a verse. The verse says, God will grant me the desires of my heart. And we just automatically think that verse, I'm standing on it. I got a rhema on it. I got a revelation of it. Hallelujah. And we just, we're standing on our verse. This is the verse. And then we wonder and we're upset and we get angry at God when things don't turn out the way we feel like they should have turned out when I had a verse. But what we don't get is this, is that God, even when his own word is used, will not violate one of his other precepts. That's what Jesus was trying to demonstrate to us there. You can, you can quote Psalm 91, and I'm not saying, I, hey, God can do anything he wants. Again, we'll just go back to the Ravenel Bridge. You can be quoting Psalm 91 as you take a run and you jump off the bridge. Crash! And then you come out, maybe. Well, and then we go, well, God's word doesn't work. God doesn't love me. He doesn't care. Where was he when I needed him? I had a verse that I was jumping on. And we get all worked up blaming God, blaming the church, blaming the preacher, blaming everything. Blame. Hey, why don't you blame yourself? Because that verse did not trump the law of gravity. Could it? It, it, I'm not saying it couldn't or wouldn't or that God can't suspend the laws of nature and do those things. I'm not saying that. He certainly can. I believe in a supernatural, miraculous God. You know I do. But the illustration I'm trying to underscore in you is if you're violating precepts, don't expect Him to be your dog and pony show and jump with every verse you quote. 
Okay, this is really important. Because I've had people through the years, they go, well, I've quoted this and I'm standing on this and I'm standing on this. And, and, and I try to navigate this gently and kindly and pastorly and shepherdingly. Is that a word? I'll just, we'll just, that'll be another one of my words that I just made up. And you want to say either sweetie or dude. You're violating these three precepts. I'm glad this word's in your heart. It might even be a valid word, but until these precepts get right, you ain't going nowhere. Following me. So, we, we, we've got to understand that whatever, again, everyone say whatever. Whatever we sow, we will reap. Now, number two is whoever sows will reap. Now, this is interesting to me because I've really thought this for a long time. Whoever sows will reap. This works for both the righteous and, listen to me, the unrighteous. The righteous and the unrighteous. Matthew 7, 12, post that, guys. It says this. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now just keep it up there for just a minute. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, hear me when I say this. This is in the middle of his message uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. Now, hear me when I say this. He was teaching a precept to people who weren't necessarily signed up to do the discipleship gig. So there are people out there who are listening to him that we would call worldly in their mindsets who haven't decided quite yet whether or not they're going to sign up for this journey that Jesus was beginning to enter in on. And he looks at them and he says this. Now he says this really to the world. He says, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. I believe this. Argue with me if you want, but I, I'm still right. Listen, the reason the world sometimes is blessed and we wonder how in the world they're blessed and we're not is because sometimes they understand God's principles better than we understand them. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm not saying they're saved. I'm not saying they aren't functioning in sin. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there are certain precepts that work no matter what. Because he's just put it in the fabric of the universe. Now, I'm just going to give you an example here. Now, now I, I'm, I don't watch Oprah. But, but I've watched Oprah enough to know that I think she's a giver. I just think she likes giving things away. I think she gets a general kick out of giving things away. I don't think that's a put on. I don't think it's a marketing thing. I think others have tried to emulate her as a marketing gimmick, but nobody does it quite like her. Because I honestly believe when she does something for someone or for her audience, I believe she gets a, a, a kick out of it. I believe, I believe truly she likes that probably more than anybody likes getting what they get. I, I, I personally believe that. Now, I want you to think about several things about her. Now, now, again, I'm not saying, in fact, I don't think she is born again. I've listened to her theology and it's confused, majorly confused. So I'm not suggesting she's a born again believer. Don't, uh, no. I'm just saying she's got a whole perhaps of a precept that works one way or the other if we just function under it. You understand gravity works for everybody, right? Okay. Think about this though. 
Think about, I was watching the other day, who, who would Dr. Phil be without an Oprah? Who would a Dr. Oz be without an Oprah? I was watching it. I was just doing the channel surfing the other day. I'm, I'm man, I, I, in fact, I broke my remote. I've used it so much. I just, but I was going through and I finally hit the own network. OWN, it's her own network. And I don't know what was going on, but, but, but what ended up happening was she was playing sort of an elaborate uh, uh, trick on her hairdresser. But, but when I initially got to the channel, uh, I mean, she, she looked, Oprah looked like she was out of sorts. She looked like she was upset. And, and it just really wasn't very becoming at that moment. And I thought, wow, that's wild that she would even put that out there, you know, because just to see that. Come to find out, she was just kind of staging this incident with her hairdresser. And as they go through this, as her hairdresser gets done, we all find out that he had just created a new uh, shampoo, I think is what he created. And what she was going to do was, is that she was going to market that new shampoo that he had created on her network, which you do realize that if she markets that thing, I mean, he'll be a multimillionaire. Now, she used to do that for books. In fact, I knew a guy here that worked at the College of Charleston that, that uh, she actually promoted one of his books. He, he used to. He may still live in the area. And he's done quite well because she used his book for the book club and he became a multi-millionaire. Now, I, I'm just going to suggest this, that she has learned that if she'll sow into others, that there's this reciprocal thing that begins to happen and she's maybe the wealthiest person now in America. And I believe in part that can link back to her heart, I think, that's generous. Now, I didn't say she was saved. I just said she's functioning under a principle. You understand God's principles. You, you, don't, you can be saved or unsaved, and it'll still affect you the same way. Some principles. Some principles. Now, sometimes we get put out with the world. We get put out with their success. But the truth is, they sow better at times than even the church does. Have you ever watched, I'm just, I just started watching. Have you ever watched, for instance, like a TV talk show and how they'll promote each other? They'll promote their movies. They'll promote their books. They'll promote their next television series. They'll promote their projects. I want to ask you a question. Do you ever promote anybody besides yourself? Or are you just about raising your own flag up your own flagpole and waving it for everyone to see? Maybe that's why you're not promoted. Do you help others to succeed? Do you sow into their lives? That may be why you haven't succeeded. You see, your heathen friends at times get blessed more than you because they just sow seed everywhere they go. Even if they themselves aren't righteous, they just, they just sow seed. Now, some of, your, some of your unsaved friends, now they're as reckless and as crazy and, and, and as evil as can be. And can I just share this with you as well? Look at their life and see if they haven't reaped that as well. It works no matter who you are. It works no matter whatever it is you sow. So, so keeping that in mind, let's just give you some quick facts. Write these down. I think I got five of them, just five quick facts. This is going to help you if you'll get this in your spirit. Number one, number one, you reap exactly what you sow. You reap exactly what you sow. Simple illustrations. If I plant corn, what am I going to reap? You don't, you don't get tomatoes off that corn seed, do you? No, no, you sure don't. If I 
sow or plant wheat, I'm going to get what? You don't get, you don't get okra or, you know, you don't get some other derivative. Corn equals corn, wheat equals wheat. If you sow judgment, the scripture says, what happens? You will be. But if you sow mercy, what will you reap? If you sow doubt, you will not receive faith. Are you following me? But if you'll sow faith, you'll begin to receive faith. If you sow negativity, don't expect positive input. It's amazing to me how people will run around being negative, negative, negative people, and then they wonder why there's no positive people in their life. You've sowed seed, and now all of a sudden, that's what you've drawn. If you sow harsh, don't expect gentle. Whatever you sow, that shall you also reap. Now, now let me get to some revelation here. You know, the Scripture says this. The Scripture says, that God is not slack or God is not slow concerning his promises, right? As some men count slowness. That's what Peter said. God is not slow concerning his promises as some men count slowness. Some of you know where I'm going with this. Why is it that oftentimes we feel like God is slow with us? If the Bible says that God is not slow concerning his promises, then why do I feel like God's... I, I feel like he's been slow with me. Why is it that I feel that way? Can I suggest this? Just, just suggesting. See, I'm really, I'm really in a very pastoral mode this morning. Usually I'm screaming and sweating. I'm just suggesting. I'm suggesting that if your life is marked by tardiness, now I see it gets quiet a little. Well, what have you sowed? You want God to be on time with you, but everywhere you go, you sowed lateness. Oh my goodness. Now I'm not, see. Some people are cheap and harsh to servers at restaurants. And we wonder why people are that way when you go to work. Isn't that interesting? See, I've come to the conclusion that all of life is sowing. Sowing and reaping. People oftentimes, they'll get uptight with me and, and, and they'll not want me to talk about their finances because sometimes I'll exhort people to give and in a couple of weeks, I'm going to have to share kind of what we're going to have to look at as a congregation in this area. And we want God to bless. We want God to bless us. And, and this is what's interesting. They say, well, I don't know about that tithing and giving. I give my time and I give my talent. Well, you'll reap some time and I guess you'll reap your talent. But whatever you sow, that's what you reap. Remember, you can't get tomatoes off a of corn seed. You can give God millions of hours of voluntary service, but don't expect Him to open up the heavens and dump you with cash. Are you following me? You see, we, 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 we can't just sow what we want to sow and then demand that God gives us what we want to have. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. I tell the funny story. I won't go into the whole thing. But, but there was a time I, I had a... a a golf bag with golf clubs in it. And I decided that uh, I was going to give it away. I wasn't going to sell it. I was going to give it away. And so I, I gave it away to someone. I just, gave, there you go, have it. And literally, I, that's what I did. I just sewed it. Take it. Take it. Now, I love the game of golf. I love to go play golf. And golf is one of those hobbies that I really enjoy doing. There was a time in my life that it was probably an idol in my life. But, but we've worked through that and I've, I've got a, 
a good outlook on that particular hobby. And, and what God began to do was, and this is how he taught me some of these things, was I began to reap golf clubs. Now, I'm not joking. There was a time I had like six or seven full bags of golf clubs in my garage at one time. People just give me golf clubs. And, and I, I say, I already got a bag of golf clubs. Here, take another bag of golf clubs. And, 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 and I'm not kidding you. God used that to show me, you sowed golf clubs. What did you reap? Golf clubs. <laughs> All right. You, you reap exactly what you sow. Number two. I'm going to get to something else here. I, don't, I can't give it all at once. Number two, you reap in a different season than you sowed in. Now, it's interesting that here Paul said in Galatians that you reap in due season. It's interesting. Due se- when all is right, when all is fulfilled, it's not chronos, it's kairos, which means when everything's in order, when everything's right, when it's the right moment, that's when your harvest will come in. God doesn't instantly respond all the time like this. Sometimes your harvest is suspended in order that it might come at the right moment. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1 says this, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after what? Many days. So it doesn't come back instantly, but sometimes it can be many days. It's, it's what the farmer does. The farmer, the farmer plants certain seed and he knows. He knows his harvest isn't going to come for some seed potentially uh, several months later. But when, that's, when that harvest comes, uh, it's, it's, it can be a blessing to him. Now, I'll just tell you the story. Again, I've told these for years. I worked before coming to Charleston many years ago for a pastor in the upstate. Uh, for 10 years, I worked for that pastor. And I will say, in, in just fair evaluation, I think that I was probably a better than most staff pastors. But I'll just be honest to say that there were days my pastor irritated me. He irritated me. I didn't like maybe a decision. I didn't like the direction it was going or something. And I'm not saying I was bad. I didn't sow discord. I didn't split the church. I didn't do any of those things. But, but within certain venues, I, I, I sowed words. Now, interestingly, nothing happened at the time I was there. But years later, now I'm a pastor. Isn't that interesting? Your harvest always comes in due season. And all of a sudden, when that harvest came, it just hit me all of a sudden one day. And it was as if God was saying, well, you got your harvest. You planted seed. Now you're getting your harvest. Now listen to me. The reason I share this time thing with you is because some people can't connect the dots. They can't make this connection because we sowed seed in, in, a, in a different season than we're reaping. And because we can't, we can't think past a week, we, you know, we don't get that there was something I put in the ground maybe years ago that all of a sudden I'm reaping today. Let me give you an illustration. When you were a teenager, how were you with your folks? How about it? You are perfect. Oh, okay, I forgot. I got the perfect people as teenagers. What happens? You do what you do as a teenager. You don't think much about it. You whine, you complain, you rebel, you do what you do, what you do. And then all of a sudden, here you are, you've got teenagers. And guess what? It's due season. Isn't that the truth? You say to yourself, I remember doing that. Oh, oh. 
Now, now the reason the reason we connect the dot sometime in that case is because we've got our mom over here going, one of these days, you're going to have kids just like you. And then we get here and they're grandmothers now and they look at us and say, see, I told you, you would have children just like you. But you had grandma to help connect the dots. I'm connecting the dots in more of your life. How many of us, somehow, maybe several years ago, and, and, we, and we did something. I'm not saying, you know, you, you, you don't recognize it now. And I'm going to tell you how to break bad seed in just a moment. But the truth of the matter is you got to begin to see that there are things you put into motion that were sitting there germinating. Growing, barely breaking the soil until a due season happened. And then suddenly it comes upon you. Now that's the bad news. Can I give you some good news? That if you'll determine in your heart today that you will sow seed everywhere you go. You sow it, you sow it, you sow it, and you just begin to be a seed sower. Things may not change overnight and that may not happen next week. And maybe a few months from now you won't see anything from that. But I'm telling you, there will be a moment over here in due season when God will open up the windows and begin to give you a harvest for all the good seed. I'm amazed with people. They'll come up to me and go, Pastor, I've tithed for a week and God hadn't opened the heavens yet. Well, have mercy. You robbed him for 30 years. I don't say that because... I'm being shepherdly. Can I just, he will. Yes, he will. But it's never in the same exact moment or the same exact season. All right. Number three. You always reap more than you sowed. Now, go back to Luke 638. It says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You know what that means? It means they're, they're tapping the thing down in the, in, the, in the bucket, in the basket, to get as much in there as possible. You always reap more than you sowed. You know, Paul looked at the Macedonian believers in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, and he looked at them and he said this, that God would multiply back to you. Multiply back to you your gifts. Jesus said that there would be no man who gave up houses and lands and family. And all of these other sacrifices, he said, there would be no man who has done all of that would not receive 30, 60, 100 fold. In this life is what he says. Now, this is important because whatever we sow, more is coming back. So if I plant, if I plant one seed of corn and it grows, it just doesn't grow into one seed. It grows into a couple of ears with hundreds of seeds on those ears. One tiny, tiny corn kernel will grow into several ears. The same as with wheat. You can, you can drill just a little bitty seed of wheat and that head will come up and it will have literally a hundred little, little kernels of wheat. Now, hear me when I say this, that can either be good news or that can be bad news. 
Let me give you just, I'll give you a simple thing that I've come to learn. The other day, I know a pastor here locally has been working hard, starting a church. He's been at it for a good long time. They're, they're in a challenging season. They aren't where we're at. Their finances aren't where we're at. Their attendance isn't where we're at. And I was fixing to change some of the way we did things in the foyer. And, and many of you remember, I used to have those big banners on those stands, you know, that said, you know, restroom or, or, or planet shakers or whatever it was. And they, and they were these big things. Now, you may not know those things, just the stand cost a hundred bucks. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, uh, but they just got you. So anyway, I'd gathered that stuff up because we needed to make a change. And it just, I believe it was the spirit of the Lord that said, give that away to this pastor. Just give it away. Now, now hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Many of us would instantly think, I'll tell you what, I'll sell it. You know what our problem is? Our problem is we miss reaping more by circumventing this law of sowing and reaping because we're just going to sell it and get it quick. I tell you what I did. I just said, all right, I'll give it away. I'll give it away, Lord. So I gave, I gave, literally, I think there were eight stands and some things, and it was probably a thousand dollars worth of stuff. Now, when I, when I presented it to him, he said, oh, I've been wanting these things. I've been, been praying for these things. I, we need some of this, this stuff. And, and I said, well, here, just take it. He goes, you don't want anything for it? Nope, nope, don't want a thing for it. Just take it. I'm going to sow it. Now, let me just tell you what happened. It wasn't but a two, three, four days later, God moved on the heart of somebody here. And you've seen that projector and all that stuff out in the foyer. All of a sudden that showed up. Now, I don't know what that stuff may cost, but I, I know it's, it's, it's at least twice as much probably as what I just sowed into that. Listen, don't sell what you could receive more from for sowing. I'll never forget, we had, when the beginning days of Legacy, I learned this. We had a big garage sale. Anybody here at the beginning days of Legacy when we had that, just this, that big garage sale? Remember that? And everybody was pulling in all this stuff and, you know, and it was just, and we thought, oh, we're going to make so much money for the renovation project and we're going to do all of that. And, you know, we were just, let's do a garage sale. And, yeah, 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 yeah. and so we all did this. And I think when we were done, I don't remember the exact number and I'll stand corrected if it's not the exact number, but I think we made a whopping... $800. Now, for some of you are going, well, that's $800 for the renovation project. Folks, about, about a month later, we took an offering from the people just as God moved, and $80,000 came through that offering. Can I just, can I, the reason I'm sharing this with you is this, is that what I learned there is this. I can work my tail off and do a garage sale and get me $800, or I can function under God's precepts and principles and start learning to let it go and give it away and get into his laws and see what he can multiply back to me. What we should have done is we should have opened up the doors, put a big sign up, and just said, sowing day, come in and take it away. That's what we should have done. Because I bet we would have got tens of thousands of dollars if we'd have just given the stuff away. That's when you get revelation. Some of us, some of us are financially struggling and we think a garage sale that we'll make 200 bucks on is going to pull our tail out of foreclosure. Why don't you give it away? It doesn't even cost you anything in your checkbook to do that. You're writing a check. It's not like it's real money. It's stuff you didn't want anyway. 
You're just going to sell it. One man's junk is another man's. And you're just, you're just, you're going to try to get you, you're going to get your quarter from that pair of socks. You're going to get you, you're going to get your quarter. You're going to get you dollar, you'll get you dollar fifty for that fishing pole that you hadn't taken out in two decades. You're going to get you dollar fifty. No offense, but how dumb are we? It doesn't seem dumb until the pastor starts talking about it. Then all of a sudden it seems really stupid. Come on, to be able just to say, give it away. Come on. Why not? Why not step into, I just give something that I don't like, I don't want, I never use. I just give it away. And God, I sow it, and I'm going to believe you for 30, 60, 100 fold. Let me tell you, that dollar fifty off that fishing pole ain't no miracle. But a 30, 60, 100 fold off, how do you know that you won't sow a fishing rod and get a boat? Well, you'll never know unless you try. How do you know? We just sit around, how do I know? I don't, well, you don't know. Well, will I go to get it next week? No, I don't know. You're going to get it in some season somewhere. I'm not even guaranteeing what you get. I can get my quarter from my socks. It's a miracle. Come on. Shake out of it. Get into the kingdom economy. I'm not even telling you to don't. Hey, and don't bring me your junk to the church and say, I'm going to give it. I'm giving it to God. I don't know. No, 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 no. I don't want your junk. I can just see people with pickup trucks right now. Clean out my garage, pastor. Here you go. No, 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 no. Come on. Fine. Find someone to give something away to. Number four. You will reap. There is a payday, good or bad. I'm going to share with you here in just a moment what you can do to circumvent all the bad seed that you're now thinking about that you planted. Because all of us do, don't we? I think about all the bad seed that I planted. Oh, oh, sweet Jesus. Is there no way? Fade or a shovel and go dig that stuff up. Is there no way? Yeah, well, I'll give you some suggestions. But here's what the scripture says. The scripture says, and, and this is especially so for good seed. But it says, don't grow weary. Don't grow weary while doing good. For in due season, you will reap. See, don't grow weary. See, a, a farmer just doesn't plant for one moment. He continually plants. He believes, I, I, when I grew up on the farm, there was one moment you planted wheat. There was another moment you planted soybeans. There was another moment you planted oats. There was another moment you planted corn. And then you'd come back and then you'd harvest whatever wheat seed you planted. And then you'd start over again. And, he was, and it was a constant, a constant happening. And that's why people who live on a farm, we look at them and say, that's hard work. You're right. It is hard work. They keep doing it and doing it and doing it, believing that the season will come for that seed that they will reap. There are things that I have sowed out there that I've not seen the reaping for yet, but I believe it will come and I don't want to miss it. So I'm not going to faint. There are other things that I've sowed that I directly believe have already begun to be a harvest to me. And it gives me encouragement to not throw in the towel, but to keep moving forward because I will reap. Now, do you understand why Satan so discourages you? 
That may be where Satan's involved. That may be where his cohorts are involved. He wants to do everything he can to tell you, don't do that. What does God know? Come on. Don't give it away. Hold it today. Come on, come on, come on. That, you, you really going to believe that? You really, you really going to believe that? It's the same thing he did with Jesus when he put him up and he said, just go ahead and jump. Just go ahead and jump. That's all he wants from you is for you just to disbelieve what God has put as way, by way of precept and you're going to end up finding yourself crashed. All right? You will reap. And then number five, I just put this in. If you don't sow good seed, bad seed is planted naturally. I don't know if any of you are a gardener. Uh, you know, I, I'm not much. I don't have what they call a green thumb. My yard, my yard always looks like, you know, sort of a, a lot. And the reason it looks that way is because I don't do much with it. And all of you would know this as soon as I say it, that if I were to go and I were to scrape off, if I had a lot and I just scraped it bare down to the dirt, it was just, we just scraped it to dirt. And then we just left it. What would happen after a short time? Ah. Revelation. If, if I don't do anything, bad seed grows. It's just naturally a happening. So you need to consistently see if we consistently plant good seed. I do believe that what happens even when we incidentally or accidentally plant bad seed. Sometimes I think we can choke that right out. I, I do believe that there's opportunity because it, it wasn't an intention. But you can't say it wasn't my intention as you stumble through life planting bad seed everywhere you go and not doing anything by way of planting good seed. Now, the question is, is there anything I can do to avoid or minimize a bad harvest? Help me, pastor. Help me. Come on. I know I've been talking a while, but you all want to be helped, right? Come on. I've only got, I've only got, this is about my only time that I can help you. Listen to this. In the book of Hosea, sometimes for us to get things, we got to experience it personally. Because if, if, if we don't listen to the voices of authority and experience, all you have left is pain. If you won't listen to what I have to say to you today, and that's your choice, no one's going to chase you. But if you won't listen to some things that I'm going to say, then all that's left is pain. And what you do is you begin to experience bad harvest and slowly but surely you'll begin to connect the dots and you'll go, ooh, maybe Pastor was right on that one. Okay? Hosea, it's an interesting story. Hosea, it says, a married, and I don't know all of the reasons, except that God used him in order to demonstrate his faithfulness to Israel. So Hosea is one that uh, 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 analogizes God and he married a woman by the name of Gomer. I don't think that's a very pretty name. In fact, I think of Gomer. Yeah, see, that's what I think of too whenever I read that. So it doesn't even sound like a woman's name to me, but it was. That's, it was in the Bible. And Gomer was a prostitute. And apparently, Homer, uh, Homer, <laughs> Hosea, <laughs> Homer had nothing to do with this one. I know what you're thinking on that one too. This is Hosea, not Homer Simpson or anything like that. This is Hosea. But Hosea is, is demonstrating God's redemptive nature by reaching to this prostitute and, 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 and trying, trying to pull her and keep her unto himself as husband and wife. And so God uses this in order to demonstrate 
his relationship to Israel. And so he's literally comparing Israel to a prostitute as they, as, as they go into evil and abhorrent ways. And then they come back and they go back and, and he's always relentlessly trying to reach them. And, and there's not even, he doesn't want to divorce them. And, and, th- and this story isn't about divorce or anything like that, but it just shows his relentlessness towards them. And so I read to you those earlier passages from Hosea that said, if, you'll, if you sow the wind, you'll reap the whirlwind. If you sow uh, iniquity, you know, you're going you're gonna to reap trouble. And so the whole point is, is, is Hosea's looking at Gomer. He's saying, if you keep doing this, you're going to reap these repercussions, repercussions. Is there anything she can do to keep from reaping these percussion, repercussions? And in Hosea 14, verses 1 through 3, it says this, O Israel, return, everyone say return, return to the Lord your God. For you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Next one. Take words with you and return to the Lord. What does that mean? It literally means you're hearing his word. Take it. Take what I'm saying today and run back to the Lord with it. Yes, Lord, I've sowed things. I've, 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 I've spit into the wind. I got a wet face. But I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm going to take your words. I'm going to return Say to him, take away all the iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we'll offer sacrifices of our lips. Next. Assyria shall not save us. We'll not ride on horses, nor will we say any more to the work of our hands. You are our gods, for in you the fatherless finds mercy. And the whole point is this. Three things, real quick. Return, repent, receive mercy. Return, repent, and receive mercy. That's the amazing thing about God is that if we'll return and repent. Now, hear me. It's not just it's not repenting because you got caught. It's not repenting. It's not repenting because, you know, well, tried everything else. I guess I'll go try Jesus. Listen, repentance, repentance. Second Corinthians seven says this. It says that repentance has godly sorrow associated with it. And when godly sorrow is associated with it, it says it leads you to salvation. I'm not talking just about being your first time born again, all that. I'm talking about wholeness and restoration. When you, when you, when you get on your face before God and say, God, I planted bad seed. I've sowed it into the ground. But I'm taking your word right now. I'm coming to you and say, have mercy on me. I know I've gone a little extra. Give me, give me two more minutes. I'm going to give you one more story and I'm done. Jesus was walking along the road one day. And there's a tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus who sees him. And you know the story of Zacchaeus up the sycamore tree. Jesus says, I'm coming to your house, Zach. Going to eat lunch. Going to have a meal together. Everybody in the crowd can't believe it because Zacchaeus is a corrupt IRS agent. I won't go there either. But he'd been, he'd been appropriating wrong amounts of taxes. He'd been getting payments under the table. He'd been keeping things. He, just, he had totally, totally had corrupted himself before the people. And now Jesus is going to go eat with him. Can you imagine? Just stop for a minute. Can you imagine the seed Zacchaeus had in the ground? Can you imagine? Ripping people off, lying, cheating, stealing. I mean, think about the seed Zacchaeus had in the ground. Jesus comes to his house. We don't know the whole conversation except that we know something happened to Zacchaeus. Something touched his heart. 
And he gets up. And I don't remember exactly the numbers he said, but he said, whatever I've taken from people, he said, I'll not only return, I believe he said, I'll repay double. And for those that he did something else to that was wrong, he said, I'll repay four times what I owe him. Now, I looked it up under the law. And he, believe me, Zacchaeus went over and above everything he had to do in order to make that right. Not just before God, but he wanted to make sure something in his heart was, I want to make it right before man. Now, we call that restitution. That doesn't get preached much anymore either. Because we live under this sloppy agape and, you know, we live under this grace stuff that just says I can live like I want and then God forgives me and that's just all there is to it. Let me tell you something. You know how you get some seed out of the ground? Maybe, maybe picking up a phone and calling someone up and saying, you know, I did wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I believe seed is getting dug out of the ground. Pastor, you don't know what all I've done, and I don't, I don't know if I called some people, they, they knew my address, they'd probably come after me with a gun. I don't know what you should do either. I'm just simply telling you this, that, that whether it be by direct action that you go back to, to dig up bad seed, or whether from this moment on, you determine in your heart everywhere I go, all of life from this point forward, I'm going to be a good seed sower. I don't, I don't want to get you out of because I believe God's talking to some people in here this morning about restitution. Restitution is a wonderful thing. I, I, can't, I can't define that for you. Don't come to me and ask, should I do this or not? I don't know. Probably by asking the question, I suspect the Holy Spirit's working on you. That's going to be between you and God. Nobody told Zacchaeus what he had to do. Even Jesus didn't say, this is what you got to do to make you. There was something that just rose up that just said, I'm, gonna, I'm going to get I'm going to get my testimony. I'm going to get my life right. I'm going to get back on the ground I need to be on. I don't know what that may mean. But you need to be, you need to be serious enough before God. You need to be committed enough before God to be able to say, Lord, whatever you ask, I'm ready to get my foundations right. And whether it's that or whether it's, well, you know, I don't know that I can go back and fix everything. There's some things I can't go back and fix, Pastor. It's just, it's gone, it's done. I wish I could, I can't, I can't. Then all you can do then is you can begin to sow your good seed. From this point forward, sow your good seed. You may have a few bad harvests coming in, just smile and just understand, I get why it's coming to me. You know, every now and then somebody gets short with me and they may tell me something and I don't like it. And all I do now is I smile and say, well, Kevin, that's probably one of those kernels you threw out somewhere back 15, 20 years ago. Just love them. Because truth is, if they did that to you, they got seed now in the ground too. What's really cool is when you, get a, when you get a revelation of this, you get to sit back and watch everyone's harvest. I don't mean that in a, in a, in a bad way, but it's amazing. It's amazing. That's why God says don't, I just, I could go on. That's why he says don't take vengeance yourself. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. <laughs> Why does he say that? It's because he doesn't want you putting bad seed in the ground. Now hear me. I just probably fixed 75% of people's battles right there. 
Will the devil challenge you? Sure he will. Is the world a hostile place? Yes, it is. Are there going to be things that you had no idea that you've done or, or did do and, and you still get challenged? Obviously, yes. But in as much as you can change some things, this is one of those precepts you can put into practice the minute you walk out these doors. So good, so mercy, so kindness, so gentleness, so generosity. I mean, I love, when servers come to me now, I have no problem, I have no problem tipping them. Usually more. You know, 15 is standard percent. I, I, it's at least 20, and I'll even do more. You say, why would you do that? It's because I'm sowing. A, few, a couple extra bucks, what is that? I got, I got three extra dollars. Let it go. Let it go. I'd rather work in 30, 60, 100 for you. Stand with me, will you?